0: Hey everybody, welcome
1: to the DeFi Mafia podcast here today with Mike and special guest, friend of the show, Hash. Uh, Hash is a friend of ours uh, and we asked him if he wanted to come on. How you doing today, Hash?
0: I'm good, man. How about you guys?
1: Good, good. I'm doing great. So obviously this is kind of a crazy week in the markets and we're going to get into a little bit. We're not. Everybody kind of knows already what happened with Luna. We're not going to like go super into it. Uh, as far as the specifics, we want to talk about more broad effects and crypto going forward. But before we get into that, uh, hash, maybe on the podcast more in the future, just as recurring guests, So we wanted to give a little background on hash. Um, I guess we could just go like how you got into crypto and uh, a little bit where your story is.
0: Yeah, man. Um, so 2011, I was headed to look at colleges with my dad and, uh, on our way to look at a school in Colorado, there was a Planet Money episode on NPR about BTC. And uh, I think the that was the first time I heard about Bitcoin and crypto. And it was trading around, uh, I don't know, I think that year was the year it went from a dollar to 30 something i think you'd have to look it up to be sure but it was
1: 2011 you sent that article the date was 2011 just for people's reference yeah, yeah so yeah. whatever bitcoin was then
0: so i hear about it then talk to my dad about it a little bit um i had a little money not a lot but it kind of was something that sparked interest in me just because I had been playing World of Warcraft for a long time and I understood the value of an online currency because I had been uh, like farming gold in that game with certain things and, and stuff like that. So it was uh, conceptually familiar. Um, and we talked about it. And he's a pretty busy guy and I had mentioned to him, like, hey, let's figure out how to buy this, whatever. And then it kind of just went undone for a long time. So missed the bag on that one and then uh when I was in school in Colorado I had a a buddy who was on Silk Road and that was the second time that Bitcoin had kind of come up in my life and and I think now it's sophomore year so 2013 um and I, th- I think at this point uh was it was right before before Gox and I had kind of worked with him to get get myself on to gox and and learn a little bit more about the process uh just a couple months before mount gox went down so i took the l on gox um didn't really learn more about the space for a while and then coinbase came around and uh i bought some btc on coinbase ended up later selling that to build a tiny house with my girlfriend at the time. And uh, then uh, where we had the tiny house park, the city came and served us a cease and desist and whatever. So we ended up having to sell that tiny house. And at that point, I believe it's 16. Um, and Ethereum has just been added to Coinbase, uh, the I made my first buy of ETH at, at $13, and then another one around 11. And uh, that was money that I had had uh, made from selling that tiny house. And uh, the, the other tremendous L in my, in my 3L stay in, in Goblin Town would be uh, buying a $10,000 Audi and $3,000 worth of Ethereum <laughs> at that point. And, 13 to 11 dollars um and then i kind of just preached about it forever you know we did 17 18 and i round tripped my entire net worth top to bottom uh my Ah, uncle who was me too (laughs) yeah my uncle who was uh on wall street for quite a few years gave me some advice at the pico top and said never let your tax bias dictate your trade strategy Mm -hmm. and i wrote him off and round-tripped on my money and learned that lesson the hard way. So that was my – those were my four uh, big learning experiences as far as crypto goes. And then uh, this was the year that it kind of – or not this year, but this cycle was kind of the one where it all came together. Um, I went pretty hard on each – between 300, some loans and compound and better myself a little bit and – and work man i'm on the island now out in Puerto rico so i don't have too many complaints like got a little rinsed in this cycle but kept more than i gave back so looking forward to the next
1: yeah and hash is gonna not gonna tell you this but i'll say this i've known hash for like six probably more i don't know eight months now yeah yeah uh hash pretty smart guy uh Plays it down. He's he knows his shit. And uh, you know, he's in a good position. Uh obviously it, he's he's living in Puerto Rico for a reason. Let's let's say that. That's all people need to know. Um <laughs> we can we can go like more maybe in future episodes, life story. Let's get into uh the markets this week. So this is kind of a fucking crazy week, man. Um obviously Luna imploded. Uh, you know, we gotta we gotta take a little bit of the clout for the mafia. Uh, we did talk about this numerous times, wrote threads, got in fights with the co-founder of Real Vision about it. Um, and you know, it happened. And uh, the, the craziest thing to me is not that it happened. I think a lot of people like thought it would happen. It's how many smart people got hit by it. That was the surprising thing to me. I thought it was mostly, and there was plenty of retail that got hurt, of course, but there was a lot of big funds, big money, smart money, even smart individuals on like CT, like Romano and, and Simple, who are like some really giga, giga Chad, giga Bring guys. So they got hurt by it. Like, that's pretty crazy. I mean, like, yeah, you think it was just collective I, delusion. Like, I, <laughs> what do you think it was?
0: I don't know, man. I think Romano nailed the point on the head in that tweet where he said, like, you know, a lot of times in crypto, people don't do their own DD and Mm -hmm. don't look into things. They go, look at all these gigabrains who are already in this. Of course, it's fine. Right. Um, And I, I would probably say that's a stem of part of it. I also think, like, part of it is definitely, like, people pushing it so hard. You know, mm-hmm. like, like I, I don't know if it's quite, you know, to the scale of disconnect uh, but like, there's definitely a lot of people that have a lot to say about, you know, how great Anchor was. Um, so, it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic of like, not even where to lay blame, but like, you know, how, how we got.
1: Dude, there was even there's even someone, uh, I saw a tweet from Suzu at Michael Saylor saying that he should borrow a UST against his Bitcoin and deposit it in Anchor for 20%. Like, these are right. the biggest players in the space talking about this stuff. It, it, it's It's, and like you said, it's like... The fact that people kind of didn't do their own due diligence or underestimated the risk and were just like, ah, there's lots of other smart people who are into this, so I'll probably be fine. I think that just tells you, A, I think a lot of people who crypto Twitter thinks are smart are not that smart. They're smart, but they're not like geniuses. They're not head and shoulders above everybody else. And then two, um, just because someone's smart doesn't mean that they can't be deluded. I think that's a big lesson from this too um i mean mike uh, we've talked about this in the podcast before like uh, what are your thoughts on what happened this week
2: i think i mean i think you mentioned it like it was definitely a risk that was out there i think the whole fun side of thing gave people like a false sense of security around it and Mm -hmm. to be fair i mean I think we. I think a lot of us, even on the people who like us, for example, who thought that yeah, there was who knew, knew the risks of it, were on the boat that like, hey, maybe this is too big to fail. Like they were, they had the four on curve. So it's like, hey, that's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. Like I remember listening to the maker call, and the team sentiment was so down, dude. Like it was really bad, and they were thinking about even doing some riskier, like going away from their original strategy of being kind of like the boomer, uh, coin and creating doing something risky like creating five pool or something and there's a lot of back and forth between the team there um yeah i mean it's not good dude i think the fall that it's gonna have and the ripple effects that we'll touch on a little bit later is i think it's gonna be a lot bigger than people expect, and it's just adding to the case especially with all the time stuff all different um works on like it's not good dude and one more thing on that I was listening to All In this morning, and Chamathan mentioned that since the past thirty years, there's been twelve hundred and some change funds that had over one billion under management, and only twenty of them have returned two point three x, which is kind of like the baseline, I believe, for funds, if you're going to put money there. So I mean, just to to the point is, it goes to show, like, hey, like even these smart people that have the best talent in the entire world, it's really, really hard.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another thing too. Is like you kind of quickly learn that a lot of VCs and big money funds, they're just good at raising money, Um, and some of them are. And I'm not, I'm not saying that like all of them are are are, uh, stupid or anything like that. There's plenty of really, really brilliant people, but a lot of these funds, very much, it is like. Hey, are you good at raising money? Are you good at networking? Are you good at getting in the the clubs? And if you can do that, then you can kind of fake your way into being like a thought leader, even though you probably don't have that many original ideas about crypto. And I think that's become very obvious.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that I that really first started to terrify me about about uh, anchor was uh, Tarun talking on. Um, the chopping block, I, I think it was Tarun, um saying how there were all these funds being spun up that were mm-hmm. taking people's money and only putting it into Anchor. Mm-hmm. And they were just taking 5% and offering 15% on, on your dollar, right? Yep. And that was the first time where I re- it really clicked for me like how, how broadly spread this had gotten um and how how big of an unwanted and i don't i i i still think it surpassed my expectations um and i think that's the case for a lot of people like i think a lot of people weren't expecting the fall be as grand as it as it will be and i think we're not even close to seeing all of it i think today is like you know today's the day where all the funds that aren't insolvent come out and say we're not insolvent. We haven't seen the day where they come and say we are. And uh, it's, dude, last week uh, I was talking with Cantor and Clark about the, the, because earlier in the month I had kind of been dunking on Fang and saying, like, look at Facebook and Netflix. These things are down tremendous and BTC and ETH, you know, we're still – 5 to 10x off of pre-COVID levels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after a while, I had kind of been thinking on that point and I was wondering if potentially, you know, the crypto space was just behind the curve and and maybe the last group of people to be reading the writing on the wall about, about the current uh, state of, of our macroeconomic environment, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason that, I felt a little reinforced in that was, was I I often like to use myself litmus test, right? Oh, that for me, this is the first year, year and a half that I really had to pay attention to what was going on with macro, right? So it sort of started this little seed in my head where, you know, and it's not to speak negatively about the space, right? And call everybody like, oh, you know, we're just the dumbest people who heard it last. But it was kind of this thought of, you know, maybe we're just the last people to hear the music stop, right? Maybe maybe we're in the room where the reverberation of the music is so loud and the market is so frothy that we're just the last people for it to really stop for, right? And I, And I talked about this with Clark. For you know, just a couple tweets back and forth, and it was after that that I kind of tweeted out like everybody in crypto assumes that these huge funds like 3AC and Jump and Dragonfly except can't go and solve it, and I just think that's a really really nascent view of of markets, and I mean a week later like we're we're seeing that. Yeah. Yep. But the other thing, real quick, mm-hmm. uh, that I want to touch on, just because before I forget, um, I was talking with uh, with Defi Dawn um, about about Luna a few weeks ago, and I was saying it's kind of this bet, and I think this is what it was for most of those funds. It's this bet on on. Do Kwon and UST reaching an escape velocity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and being integrated with enough platforms that it truly becomes this too big to fail thing for crypto to where it's in everybody's interest to backstop this thing. And I think he was very explicit about that being his intent, right? And, and I think that was one of the first tweets that he had that, that put me in a little a little bit of fear over the 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 uh the hubris and like potential malevolence behind something like that right That, that of like if ust fails all of crypto fails that's not necessarily like a a friendly hand to the space and i think that like there are potentially people who have been here for a really long time that saw that right And we're really off by it, and and they chose kill it with fire before it grows, right? And I think that's like why we find today um, is because I, I, I genuinely, as hard as it is to say right now, I genuinely think for the space like this is like in forests service management you know they go and burn out all the underbrush this is this is us burning out the underbrush i mean we do it every cycle right um and it's a good thing for the forest right it hurts but it's good for the forest and that's how i feel about this um but i think kind of back to my first point is it was sort of this bet on escape velocity right and i think What me and Dylan had talked about is if they make it through um, the bear, right? There's going to be all these protocols that are looking for this liquidity to integrate with, right? And Tara had this, this little pop where if Jump could backstop it and they could get integrated with enough protocols during the bear who were thirsty for this liquidity and user base, Then they could have reached this escape velocity where they truly became what Doe intended, which was if UST broke, the whole thing breaks. Right. Um, And I think honestly, very wisely, somebody in the space chose to undo that. I think the idea of an outside actor, i.e. Citadel or or uh, any of these large implicated traditional funds is uh, is kind of. Like in the food chain, looking past the tuna and pointing at the shark when the minnow got eaten, mm-hmm. like there are plenty of people with entrenched interests in this space uh, in stable coins that have the capital reserves to, to execute this exploit the way that it was outlined by, by people on Twitter. I mean, months beforehand, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah no i mean we had this exact conversation in the podcast like i don't know a few weeks ago a month ago or so it was like doe i gave my little doe is flying a, a plane through the eye of a hurricane right now and like
0: can yeah, he that make was it a good analogy that was a really good analogy <laughs>
1: thank you that was that was basically it right it was like exactly what you said can he get to the point where it's so liquid and so um uh what's the word i'm looking for like 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 commonplace across all chains and and he knew that right like that's why they were doing the pool that's why he was like
0: become tether right can he become tether because there was a there was a long time where you know the same concerns could have been raised with with legitimacy about tether i think that time's gone now but i think that was that was what he was aiming for right
1: yeah and and now here's the thing with something like that like you said even if it's truly peripheral peripheralated whatever you know what i mean uh uh, prolific yeah prolific like even if it's everywhere at some point you could still have that risk of like the true black swan event and like you said as much as it hurts to happen now i'm glad when it happened now at 40 billion and not at 400 billion because if it happens at 400 billion
0: we're done pack it up
1: yeah it's over right that's like that's like that's like our equivalent of like a jp morgan going under you know and it's just over um so yeah and i'm glad it happened on the way down like it's easier to happen on the way down but it definitely can happen on the way up i think that's one thing that people underestimated that this could have happened really at any time um it could and and the fact that it happens now when we're pretty much already in a bear market and it just kind of accelerated a lot of the price action that we were going to see anyways
0: i think okay I think, though, it could have been worse, too, if it happened deeper into the bear cycle. Like, if we did do, if we, okay, so we're going to get in a market structure later, I think. But mm-hmm. basically, if we were in this prolonged bear and then Luna had that, that unwind, it would be a similar style cascade of events to COVID for a lot of these exchanges. And I don't know if, you know, Arthur can backstop it at this point. Right
1: right well let's let's get into like market outlook but before we do that quick word from our sponsor upstream alpha defi mafia is moving up in the world we have a sponsor uh let me read this real quick and then we'll get into market structure hold on i got to got to pull up the the logo here there we go there we go upstream alpha what is upstream alpha upstream alpha is a tool that helps you find alpha Uh, Members in upstream alpha find up to a thousand new crypto projects every single month. How you might ask? Well, the upstream alpha software spots when a new crypto project joins Twitter and sends the project's information to the members only website. Members can log in and get a constant feed of brand new projects every day. But there's more than that. Upstream alpha continues to track each project's Twitter growth so you can spot which projects are growing quickly and which are fizzling out. Lastly, the best tool that Upstream Alpha members can get is called LeapFrog. This is an alert that allows you to choose Twitter accounts that they, you know find Alpha early, and you can get alerted to when those accounts follow new followers. And it has like a smart filter, so if they're following just other random accounts that aren't projects, it automatically filters all that out for you. Uh, you basically just get alerted every time they follow a new quality project. And luckily for everybody listening, Upstream Alpha is still in beta. So you can get access to all the tools for free if you go to upstreamalpha.com slash mafia. That's upstreamalpha.com slash mafia. You can get all the tools for free. Shout out upstream alpha. It's a good tool. I've been using it. It's pretty sick. Gives you all the new projects. Get all the alpha. And a lot of them aren't even like fully launched yet. You could you could participate in like pre-token events and everything, you know? So, anyways. Thanks to slash Upsturn Mafia. All right, let's get into Market Outlook. Um, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> Everything kind of changed this last week. Like, big, big differences. Uh, where do you think we go from here over the next, like, month or, uh, uh,
0: month or two? Oh, you can go. Go, Mike,
2: go. Next month or two, I think we're in for a lot more pain. I don't think people in crypto don't necessarily think so, just because we're at that previous uh, a range. Maybe we get a little bounce, but I think it's going to be a lot more painful than people think. Um, Just, I mean, since we're just tracking so close to the uh, trad trad markets, I mean, it's really starting to pick up in terms of like, uh, I'm running off the balance sheet, so. Um, Yeah, I think I heard on, they said it was like 0.92 correlation, something terms of like when the fed is printing money or um taking it off thing out of the system basically so um i don't think you really need to overthink it to Honest, my outlook
1: yeah yeah I'll, I'll say real quick i'll let you go hash for me i'm kind of like i i hate to be like doomer but i'm kind of like at the point of like are we gonna see a normal recession or are we gonna see like a really bad recession That's kind of the point I'm at. And I'm like, hopefully this will just be a normal like six to 18 month kind of bear market. And then things will get better. And we're already like, to be fair, we're probably already, you know, this whole year has pretty much been a bear market, whether people acknowledge it early on or not. Um, So we're probably maybe like a few months into that bear market already. But I'm kind of at that point where I don't think like V-shape recovery, all that. When the Fed is raising rates into uh recession into a bear market, that's just not good. There's just no way around that, no matter how way you want to spin it. What, what do you think?
0: uh yeah man, I think uh, so I sort of put myself in the in the camp that was hoping for protracted bear cycles uh, early last year. and that has all changed for me over the past couple months. Unfortunately, uh, particularly, I, I see ad, uh, Luna is adding a little add to that fire. Um, I just think that, you know, w- if we weren't facing these, these broader economic headwinds, uh, I could be a little more optimistic. But the reality is that until something changes about uh, – The narrative around crypto, broadly, it is still very much a risk on asset and will be treated as such. Um, I think if you're looking for where the bottom is on crypto, you might as well be looking at NASDAQ right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's as easy as it gets, I think.
1: I think the only alternative narrative would be like the thing that everyone is always... the, the The crypto dream of like, Will Bitcoin at some point separate itself? And I don't know. I don't know. I think on the way down, like my my opinion is it won't happen on the way down. It'll happen on the way up. That maybe when things bottom out, that instead of money flowing back into like traditional uh, tech stocks and, and all the other stuff that people have been buying for the last decade, now they're going to pay more attention to crypto. And all the stuff we're building here and DeFi and Bitcoin itself, but even then, that might not happen. You know, I mean, I, that's like the hopium thing. But even then, it still means we're probably going down with the ship. Um, like you said, it's a risk asset. Like it's it's kind of as simple as that. Um,
2: I, that's a really I got good point. One. Oh, going. On.
0: Another one, real quick for the bear. I'll throw it in there. This is, um, this is something we've talked about for months, but I think uh, there's a potential for for. To flip BTC in a bear cycle, mm. just with uh, with narrative around the merge and, and things like, you, ETH is still gonna be the still bearing asset, right? Whereas with BTC we won't have that, um, and I, I just think those two narratives to me uh, could could be the potential. And I think honestly, I think ETH hasn't used BTC a bear. um now that it's more like 2017 not a fucking chance
2: right now there's a potential yeah and quick plug the article we're working on together that covers that's going to cover a lot of it so we'll be releasing that on our sub stack hopefully next week so oh yeah Yeah, let's talk about
1: the merge is interesting but okay i guess okay on the bitcoin point i guess the other narrative would be and this would be the counter to what you just said and i'm not saying this is what i believe but this would be the counter it would be that bitcoin is still like the king bitcoin is digital gold and that if people are looking for a safe haven in the shittiest of all markets that bitcoin may end up actually being that um Will that happen? I don't know. But that would be like the Bitcoin argument, right? Um, and I and I still give weight to that. I think people, we've discussed this before, but like in bull markets, people forget about Bitcoin because everyone wants the max gains. In bear markets, people are like, oh, you know what's kind of cool? The thing that's been around since the beginning and and <laughs> it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, but okay, on the merch, I think it's not priced in. I think people who say it's priced in are... are Unbelievably wrong and I think the proof of that is when they announced the delay of the merge like whenever that was like a month ago again um, The price of ETH didn't move so that tells you that it was not priced in because if it was priced in then it, ETH should have dropped Right if people were actually expecting the merge to happen and be this great thing What, what do you guys think about the merch as far as what it's gonna do for ETH? Uh,
2: uh, bullish, I was, yeah, super bullish. I, I've seen some people have some tags like ETH merge is bearish like that is the worst thing I've ever heard. Uh, I think I was telling you this hash earlier the other day, um, regarding the merge and like hold on. Um, what was I gonna say? Let me come back to that point. Um, but yeah, anyway, I wanted to address one thing that you said about uh, this point you made prior to the one you just brought up the, the about. Bitcoin? Yeah, the Bitcoin. Yeah. About like how like how it could potentially lead next cycle or even potentially decouple is, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. there's a good, there's a good, Um, I read some stat the other day that like during every new cycle, there's a basket of stocks slash like equities that lead the market. And it, they usually, I mean, they rotate like this year it was, or this cycle it was like Fang. I forget, I don't know what the other one, I'm not a macro expert, but there's the case that it could, it could potentially be crypto. So just wanted to add that point of confluence there.
1: Yeah, um, I I think that's like the argument that like, whatever is the frontier thing is where the money is going to go when the market is good. Um, and crypto is the frontier. And so maybe like in the same way that uh, tech went through its mega bear after the dot com, but then basically for the last 15 years, tech has just dominated all markets. Maybe we'll go through our own bear. And then the beginning of the next cycle is like the real what we've been waiting for forever is like the actual like crypto is 100% mainstream now and that's where all the money is. Um, and, oh. and that's why I'm bullish DeFi because I think that's where like you, institutions are going to go.
2: So ahead. you
0: just reminded me of a knock on Luna that we didn't talk about. Um, go ahead. Which is regulation. I, oh, I, yeah, I don't know how we meant Of course. <laughs> like, of course. But, but one of the things that I think uh, has a potential to spring out of this regulatory framework is that it's going to be a whole lot harder to be um, in the venture end of crypto, right? Uh, not not for existing firms, but but for, for, for retail players like ourselves um, who don't have an accreditation. I think it's going to become a little, a little more difficult. Uh, I, I think that remains to be seen and i also think it's part of markets maturing. But, uh, I am to what level do you think oh i'm cautiously optimistic that you and i get to participate in DeFi in the way that we're used to
1: and, like, and i don't
0: know where the moat will arrive but i'm expecting it
1: Yeah, I think the stablecoin, okay, so like on regulation, I think stablecoin regulation was already a big topic. They already talked about it in Congress and everything. This is only going to accelerate that, obviously. Um, I think that we could literally see like very specific regulations of like, hey, you just can't have a zero collateralized stablecoin anymore. Like they could like, I could see them saying you need like a minimum threshold. It could be 50%. Maybe it could be a hundred percent. I don't know. Like I could literally see them saying something like that. Now, how can they police that they can't in the pure DeFi space, but they could tell Coinbase, Hey, you can't have us or like any of the exchanges, you can't have a stable coin on your platform that doesn't meet our requirements. Right? Like I could see that happening. Um, do you think it could be as extreme as they're like oh you need to be an accredited investor to participate in crypto at um, least through centralized I, exchanges obviously
0: yeah i think there's a, a potential for things like that i also think it'll be interesting to see what kind of capital control they start to exercise with uh USDC, um mm-hmm. and i think that'll be like the big arm that happened is going forward I, I only see um regulatory bodies and, and usdc working more closely right uh so i think yeah, that's I mean. where things like like cracks will become more interesting but uh, i don't know that's a whole other topic man um i i just am i'm cautiously optimistic man i hope i get to play right that's that's all i all i know for sure right now is that will be under scrutiny, and, and I'm sort of expecting that, and envisioning myself as such. Like that, there are things that I'd really like to do between now and next cycle, um, like potentially getting uh, an Anton passport or something like that, just <laughs> to be able to to play the way that I'm used to. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the one positive thing would be crypto is much more mature than it used to be a lot richer and you're already seeing guys like sam you know obviously he donated to the Biden campaign you know he just had bill clinton and tony blair the former prime minister of the uk down to the bahamas to speak at like the ftx conference like like i think uh, the big dogs in crypto know and they're they're playing ball And in the same way that the bank lobby is able to influence politicians to do all types of things, I think the crypto lobby is going to be doing that too. Um, I'm not saying that it'll be like front and center of like the 2024 elections or anything like that, but I think that behind the scenes, it'll be like, Hey, you know, don't pass that bill or do pass this bill, that type of thing. Um,
2: yeah it's
1: hard to gauge that obviously because mm-hmm. that's like the type of stuff that happens behind closed doors that isn't like super easy to track but it's real it's a hundred percent real i mean crypto is a multi-trillion dollar industry at this point uh well maybe less now because of the, the state of the markets but there's a lot of rich fucks in crypto who have an influence to, to put it very bluntly right um now maybe some of them benefit from like Like, maybe Sam is like, yeah, dude, I'm a centralized exchange. It helps me having more regulation because then people can't compete with me. Maybe that's his approach. Like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Again, though, that is where like, hey, at least if this loan issue is going to happen now, it happens now versus when it's way bigger and then regulators are like, oh, we just can't let this happen at all. Like Then they could just be like, oh, DeFi is like not cool anymore. Yeah, um that's yeah.
2: like the worst case scenario i mean it would be nice to have like a middle ground i mean optimistically it'd be nice for them to change the word staking in my opinion i mean they took the they took the formal definition of that and made it into the, oh you get free money basically and it's like i feel like have, a lot of people got in the anchor right a lot of retail they thought oh this is literally free money i'm getting 20 on my on my usd or whatever and it's like I think like small little things would be good for the space and help it grow. Like if you just had like instead of changing the terminology for one, um, to what, you know, what I'm saying like I don't think like taking what staking really is and using it for just giving free money is helpful long term, and letting people yeah, know that there is a risk involved.
0: Are you asking, are you asking protocols to change that verbid, or regulators about what what I think uh, is within that verb? Profiles will never change it. They they have a positive associate staking from things like ETH and Chainlink, and that's not something that they're going to give up.
2: Right on the reg- day, we talked about this. I think a while back. Um, but like, I don't. It would be re- it'd be awesome to see like something pop up where you could have like regulation within crypto without like the overarching formal body. Um, that
1: yeah. I think we absolutely need that because the thing is. You either you either uh, prove that your industry can discipline itself or they will discipline it for you. We've
0: failed that we've already failed that test.
1: You think it's too late. Because
0: every single fucking time we have a cycle, we have a massive Ponzi to get rugged.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think
0: the, the Luna thing the Luna thing discredits that argument. Like we had a legitimate shot this year. Yeah. Of being like, hey, these shitty things were like these small protocols, like time and omen shit, right? But now, ah.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I like FINRA in, 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 in TradFi is, is their own, like, internal governing body it's not a government thing they're in direct contact with the government but it's like run by the institutions themselves and it's policing institutions policing other institutions Does i think well at all it, finra works pretty well and it's what stops more regulation coming into TradFi because what a lot of times will happen is like finra will basically get ahead of the ball um mm-hmm and police themselves and come to agreements between major institutions so that then the government doesn't have to put laws in place against them. And I think yeah. a crypto finro would be advantageous if like, like if Aave and Compound and like all these big, uh, you know, legitimate protocols came out and we're like, yo, we're going to make our own like, you know, DeFi Alliance uh, policing station, right? That would be very beneficial. And if they're like extremely transparent about it, that that mm-hmm. would at least show regulators like, hey, we do care about this. Like, just because yeah. there are bad actors doesn't mean like the majority of like the big protocols are trying to screw people over, and right, and that's right, like, right. and again, no, does that mean there great. will be no Ponzi's? No, that's the nature of the decentralization. Is that ultimately people can do what they want with their money, and protocols can be spun off by anybody, um, yeah, and that's the good I saw impact.
0: a fantastic tweet on that today. Somebody said, uh, they said, well, too, if you're if you're not paying for it, you are the product. Web three. If you don't understand the source of the yield, you are the yield. You. you are yeah. that. That was fantastic.
1: Yeah. yeah. That okay. I think the education part. Now you could say the same thing honestly about regular finance. I don't think the average person knows shit about regular finance either. But if you're going to be playing in DeFi, like. I think the education needs to be pushed harder by the legitimate protocols. Like Abe right. should have a thing where they're like, yo, you need to be like taking. But the problem is, of course, that's where like the decentralization like comes in where it's like that's kind right. of the anti-permissionless. So it's kind of the balance of like, hey, do but, you actually understand yield? Do you understand all you these could things?
0: Put, you could put like, you know how Binance has that fucking thing where they make you answer those questions mm-hmm. to see if you're, you know how to margin trade? Right, FGX and if you get it the wrong, thing, yeah. they give you the answers. But like, they should, yeah, <laughs> they should implement that for DeFi protocols. That'd be good. Right, yeah. like here's, here's what you're actually interacting with. I, I think it's a great idea, actually. And, yeah. and somebody could make money doing it. Right, it could just be this firm that goes to all these different DeFi protocols and says, "Hey, hey, we're going to set up your education for your for your protocol, and spin up this little thing where you know everybody's got to take a quiz." um that'd be great i think yeah Yeah. uh and the other thing is that i was gonna say just touching on like that like some sort of alliance or or self-governing body being formed uh it would be this this badge that people would definitely go seeking right once you establish that there's there's this uh you know whatever Whatever is, you want to call
1: it. Right. But. You could have like a crypto alliance badge and it's on your mm-hmm, fucking site. Yeah. And if you don't have it, then people are like, oh, okay, I should be, my guard should be up. Right. And it's oh, a thing you have yeah. to like apply for or like meet certain like re- requirements to have, like that type of stuff.
2: that's funny you bring that up because you mentioned that too, David, when we were having that conversation a few weeks back. One of you guys came to that same point. Wow. Yeah,
1: like I know this stuff is like boring and not exciting at all. And like, yeah, it's not exciting to me either. But like also, it's kind of like like doing like when you're running a business, it's like you got to do your accounting too. You know, yeah, it's not the exciting part, but you got to fucking run the numbers. And I think you got to – if you got to put in this like little – allocate 5% of your uh, effort into like education and safety and like guardrails for people so that you avoid the regulators coming in and just shitting on the entire space yeah
0: I think a really easy place to start too would be for people that understand the difference between staking and staking in air quotes right <laughs> yeah, <100%. laughs> like, I think it's, it's this hilarious thing where everything is staking now right and like uh i Kobe said it really well in his in his paper about how like it's kind of just been co-opted and if 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 you want to know whether or not something is legitimate staking look if they're slashing that's the easiest way if there's no slashing you're not actually staking it's just a farm token like wi-fi right yeah and like if there is slashing, then there's probably some more legitimacy to be said around the staking. But it's just and I those think little things like that that could save, you know, this whole space, this whole fucking debacle could be saved by like and, and probably not, you know, there are always gonna be people that are willing to, you know, take these take these types of risks. Oh, another sure quick point that I didn't touch on earlier when you were talking about the sailor thing about him staking uh <laughs> in Terra um first of all terrible and then secondly like you and i have kind of talked about this since we both got out of sushi earlier this year that like staking has become this way for like people to ensure their exit liquidity right (laughs) in more cases than not and like i have kind of been uh like converted basically or like born again unstaker like i just don't I don't stake anywhere ever anymore because I just feel like, you know, I'm getting this, this tiny yield for basically ensuring that there's exit liquidity for, for someone else who's actually trading the thing. Yeah. Um, and that's just not a good value prop uh, for me unless it's, you know, some of these, these more legitimate protocols like, like Chainlink and Ethereum when they spin up, then uh, I'll be interested. Yeah.
2: You're also opening yourself up to a lot more, another contract risk. So you're adding, on, you're adding, because you're probably farming something that's a little bit further out, if not way out on the risk curve. You're adding on contract vulnerability to that. And most people don't even think about that.
0: Crazy. No, and it's not worth it. I I, I just don't. Yeah, I'm I'm a non-staker right now. (laughs) <laughs> the the thing i
1: wanted to add to on the staking as like uh air quote staking versus real staking and on the yield thing is like this we desperately desperately need to like and this could be part of the uh crypto alliance thing where if you're giving yield to people you need to explain very clearly what that yield is and i'll give like a clear example so like There's okay. I'll give it because we just had umami finance on our podcast last week and they're in the GMX GLP pool. And that is you deposit USDC and you get USDC back. Like, first of all, what are you getting paid your yield in? Are you getting paid in like USDC or are you getting paid in a farm token? Very, very different things. And then two, when you're getting paid that yield, where is it coming from? In that case, it's like, oh, GMX is a like trading platform? And they generate fees from those trading. And then basically those fees are paid out to the people in that pool. Cool. That makes sense. That's a revenue. Basically they're taking revenue and distributing it to people understood. Kind of like a dividend, right? Would be like an analogy from TradFi. or is your yield just from emissions from a token that is having mass emissions and that token value today, maybe it's 20% yield, but tomorrow is probably 10 because a bunch of people are dumping the shit out of this token because it's not worth anything. Right? Like, that type of thing is like, yo, if you're saying you have 40% yield, where is that yield coming from? Money doesn't come from thin air. So how are you generating that? Are you emitting tokens? Are you generating fees? Like, how are you getting that? All of those things should be much, much, much clearer. And like, that's where the education part comes into where people need to understand what that means. Because I think everybody who gets into DeFi and has never done it before sees yield. We've all done it. Right. I was like on Polygon Farms. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, oh my God, 700% yield. This is awesome. And then I find out, like, oh, my tokens are worth nothing. Right. And like, everyone goes through that. Everyone goes through that. And like, if you want retail mass adoption and regulators not to come down hard on you, you need to make that extremely clear.
0: Oh, sorry, Mike. Go for
2: it. Yeah. I think I was going to say it was, um, I think a lot of that's going to be, For retail, at least, I think a lot of that's going to be stripped away, and eventually, like things like Argent, um, that basically takes the interface for DeFi applications and gives it to you in in like an environment they're used to. There's not like Ponzi's on those things; like it's legitimate, legitimate. Um, Like they have, like they offer like urine stuff. I think uh, retail, like the stuff solutions that are coming for retail, um, and then your point i think like the education side of things i I thought you made a good point about the education side of things and then just like people realizing yo this is the game you're playing like if you want to opt into it sure go for it you're playing against people with millions and millions of dollars of bots that can exit these lps that can see shit that's not even on chain yet and get out of the pools before you even when you're down 50 percent like it's that quick. Yeah.
1: And so. even just like here's a little thing. Okay, Celsius came out today and said that they had uh like five hundred million dollars or something in anchor. Um but they basically oh, but they were able to get out pretty much immediately with minimal loss, right? Like at like when it was like 98 cents or something, right? So they didn't really lose money. Why? Because they've got like a dedicated team that's like managing this shit. If you're Joe Schmoe who just has your money in Anchor and you're at work and all of a sudden in the morning you leave, it's on peg. You come back home, it's 70 cents. You're fucked, right? What are you going to do? And it's like (laughs) that's the problem too is like the institutions can be more risky because they have like assholes whose job it is to be full-time looking at that, you know? And like if you're not full-time looking at that, you probably shouldn't be playing that game.
0: You just reminded me of a story that is the perfect comparison, right? And this is like how like Anchor was obvious for me is because mm-hmm. there was this protocol shortly after Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi with two eyes called Yam. Um,
1: yam, I remember Yam. <laughs> this is food season, dude. That's, yeah, this is dude. like, this is like my early entry into DeFi. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So Yam, uh, I was I was farming Yam. And I was farming it at work, and I remember. <laughs> the day that uh, it was was like three days into the protocol like it was not very long Yeah, and damn had this problem where once their rebase started the token was gonna like rebase infinitely or something Mm -hmm. right like there was just gonna be a shitload of them to like the point where it was like rebasing itself to zero like they added an extra zero in the rebase or whatever uh, in, in the multiple and it fucked the whole thing up right and the, the great point was uh, YAM, is, YAM is a distributed governance protocol, right? So every YAM holder had to vote on whether or not to wreck the exploit, right? And basically, we're up, I'm up all night, the vote finally gets passed, we get enough people delegating, right? And they don't have like the, you know, the keys to edit the contract or whatever, Mm -hmm. And we don't, like, they have this big celebration, whatever, whatever. Hey, we got enough people to sign the thing. Cool, great. We're going to pass push this proposal through, right? And then I'm like, all right, cool, I can go to bed. (laughs) And then right before I go to bed, I look at their Twitter, and 30 seconds ago, hey, we can't fucking get the keys to work. We can't push the proposal. The whole thing going to zero, I'm sorry, I quit. Mm-hmm. And Christ. that for me was the moment where I was like, oh, things break in DeFi, right? These, yeah. these things break real quick, right? And I'm lucky that I got to learn that lesson then and general public got to learn that lesson on the unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like I have very similar experience. Like I was very skeptical of DeFi in the beginning because I just didn't believe the yields were possible. And then finally, I started like dipping my toes in more and more and more. And like when I went all in, yeah. was like Polygon season. It was the first time. I remember oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Malt and uh, there was one thing called Augury. Augury, <laughs> I was psyched on because I got in – on like literally like the first like hour i was like oh i'm gonna be fucking rich dude because like this token (laughs) was worth like two dollars and i was making like five grand an hour or something like that i'm like i'm fucking rich and uh it was like a die farm and i just remember watching like i didn't understand that these tokens don't come back like i didn't understand that back then because i'm watching it go from like two dollars to like a dollar fifty i'm like okay it's a dip no big deal whatever whatever and then it goes to like a dollar twenty i'm like yeah you know okay okay and then like dude i'm like you said like by like day three dude this thing went from two dollars to swear to god it was like two cents and i was like what the fuck happened and
0: but like the the worst
1: part is i was so dumb that like or naive, I should say, that I'm, like, in their telegram, and the founders are, like, there, like, oh, yeah, 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 we have all these partnerships lined up, we're doing all this, and then, like, a week later, they're, like, oh, yeah, we're gonna leave this protocol, we're done, we're giving, the, we're leaving, the like, the decision to the community, we're building this yeah. new farm now, and I was, like, what the fuck, yeah. man? And that was, like, yeah, my, yeah, my, totally. my entry, that was, like, oh, okay, I see how
0: this works now, I get it, okay. <laughs> exactly, okay. and anybody who missed out on the Building blocks to DeFi, yeah. right? They, they, they missed out on food coins. They missed out on all the beginning Ponzi farms. Like that's where you 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 just missed the building blocks, right? You you yeah. missed like the, these core lessons of how quick shit unwinds, right? And, um,
1: and that's why when you and I hash, we had uh, certain friends who were like really in NFTs and had no DeFi experience, yeah. and they yeah. were buying mutant cats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. had fish token, and they were like, No, dude, because we're getting like a thousand dollars a day in fish token. And Mir and hash are like, Bro, this is just the DeFi farm, but with an NFT right. instead. It's the same fucking thing. And they're yeah, like, No, 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 you totally don't understand. Weird. This is a, the future of France, dude. Right, like, yeah. okay, Here's okay, the cool. rationale
2: behind that was so funny. Yeah. It's like, Well, I could just take a chance on this because it could work. Yeah. You know, it's like, Dog. And, dude. and
1: I remember uh, asking, because this was the thing I had to realize. I was like, let me ask you, I get that you're earning fish token and you're really excited because you're getting passive income. That's like red flag too. When people start talking passive income. Passive income. Um, yeah. I'm like, who's for you to sell fish token? Someone has to be buying it. Who's buying your fish token? And like they <laughs> yeah. couldn't answer that. But so, they were in there, such there was no denial. There's no yeah. reason to. There's no reason to. So, like, yeah, yeah those are the lessons people learn. And like, cool, I was messing around with like a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks. Hey, that's my fucking tuition into DeFi.
0: bro. People going into Anchor with a hundred
1: grand, they got wrecked, dude. They got wrecked.
0: Remember the first time you learned what impermanent loss is? I remember looking that shit up and being like, Oh, that's where my $5,000 went. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Wait, I went in with this pool was dye fucking malt or whatever. And now I have a yeah. lot of malt and no dye. And malt isn't worth <laughs> anything.
2: What
0: happened? It was It was wild in the beginning. I remember there was a specific one that I remember that was hilarious where like Balancer was the shit back in the mm. day, bro. Right. Everything was Balancer. And... Wi-Fi with two eyes I believe was the one where balancer delisted the front end of the pool from their platform and everybody lost their fucking shit dude they lost it quick because like basically this like you know defi protocol had had chosen to be internet police and choose which uh which pools that they weren't even seeding right mm-hmm. were to be displayed on their on their page And I I shit you not, like one of the things where I was like, fuck, I got to pay all attention to this for the rest of the year, to DeFi, was these fools from Wi-Fi forked the entire balancer protocol in less than 12 hours and just redeployed a front end. Or or I guess they forked the front end, they didn't fork They forked everything, they changed the logo and the color and said, boom, new (laughs) protocol, baby. (laughs) And then you could interact with that pool again. And yeah. as when I saw that, you know, I, I was really scared because at first I had to learn how to interact with the smart contract for the first time, which was fun. And then second, I realized, holy fuck, these kids move fast, right? Mm-hmm. They just fucking they reinitiated this thing that had like been taken away from them within you know a twelve hour period. These Chinese devs, and. I just knew that I had to pay attention to the space, uh, to DeFi in particular. After that point, uh, it was a big, big learn. Yeah.
1: So the point of all this is, it ain't fit for retail. Unfortunately, these mechanisms are too complicated for people to like. People don't spend the time to learn. That's just the reality. They don't just spend the time to learn like, like basic tradFi stuff. Like if you go ask and- the average person, like what is a bond do you even think they really know what that is you know like i i don't think so um it's the
0: thing your grandma gives you yeah right?
1: yeah exactly exactly like if you actually average person can you go like read an income statement or a balance sheet from like a company they have no ability to do that and that's fine they don't need to but but to we be fair can't neither that- did
0: you or i until we got into this space right I, like, I did because I went of, to finance. All of my school, but... financial literacy comes from the internet and crypto. Sure. I'll, and, I'll and... be totally honest about that. But that's that's you know, 10 years of compound, right?
1: Yes, yes. Now the but the thing is, most people well, I guess it's kind of changed, obviously, with like Robinhood. but um, you know, before the Robinhood thing happened, it was a pretty common thing that people would be like, hey, like you probably shouldn't like be trading. If you don't understand the markets now, I know these last right. few years have changed everything, but like that was pretty common knowledge. Like, hey, yeah, like that's like a thing you should really know your shit to do or else you're going to lose all your money. And right. um, I don't know, like people thought that crypto was different, that like, oh, no, crypto is just a money printing machine. And and, and, and at certain points in time, it is like it is until it isn't. And when mm-hmm. the music stops, like in a week like this, a lot of people get hurt. And that's the unfortunate thing, um,
0: dude. Um, I, I listened to that Planet Money episode that I referenced at the beginning just as mm-hmm. like a as a nostalgia before this and there's a quote in there where the guy, they're trying to mine BTC on like a laptop or whatever mm-hmm. and it's oh, super it, slow I, I, and everyone's only done that few, at some point, right? I, right? I did that. They're, but they're getting coin, right? I know. And the guy literally says in this podcast, right, 2011 he goes, you know Well, it appears, David, that the Bitcoin gold rush is over. You know, all these people who started mining it last year, you know, they could make a lot of money. But for us, it's just unfeasible. And I think that's like such a like interesting thing to just remember about this space is that like people and there's a great quote about it. um, And I think it's Bill Gates, but don't don't hold me to it. He says uh, something along the lines of, Everyone underestimates what they can do in 10 years and overestimates what they can do in one. And I think the whole crypto space would stand to gain never. a lot from just understanding
2: that. That's really good. That, that is
0: DeFi. Like, De- I think DeFi
1: sentiment is at all time lows. People are yep. fucking out on DeFi. They think it's a scam. They think it's over. Yeah. They think it's dead and never coming back. I'm
0: so happy to buy Ave under yeah. $100 again, yeah. bro. You do like,
1: yeah. And yeah. like, there are smart people who legitimately are like, "Ah, oh, DeFi's dead. It's over. It had its run. It's done." And because they expect, and this is the biggest thing that like, I think people forget is like, "Hey, I know a lot of this shit's really complicated and doesn't work that well right now, but that's because you're early. If everything worked yeah. perfectly, you wouldn't yeah. be able to make money."
0: Like I said that- this, I I said this to Bog in a space a few days ago that. Unfortunately, by the time everybody stops getting rugged, all of the like volatility is out of this marketplace and it won't be fun to play anymore and you'll just play majors on leverage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the thing that people misunderstand about DeFi is like long term, this shit is going to be huge, right? This, this is going to be a 10 trillion, maybe even like 20 years down the road, talking hundred trillion dollar global market. Don't go away. Like, don't leave, I think is yeah. the biggest lesson. Like, I yeah, think if yeah, there's yeah. any regret that anyone's ever had in crypto, like me, 2018, I was like, all right, I lost everything. I'm out. Come back. Yep. 2020. Wish I stayed. Right? Wish I stayed. Yeah. I think everybody wishes they stayed. And that's, like, the yeah. biggest lesson. I ain't going anywhere. I don't think anybody here is going anywhere. And if I you're listening, a, don't leave.
0: I wrote that little thread about that, if you guys want to pin it in the, in the yes,
1: thing.
0: Yes, you that did that write a very nice thread. Whole- the whole sentiment was: if you go away, that's the real loss. If you, especially if you leave without learning your lesson and just give up, mm-hmm. that's the real fucking loss. If you take your L, and take it, take the L as the lesson instead of the L as the loss, then you're gonna, you're gonna make it here. I, I it's all about fucking learning. We're all still doing it every day. I mean, all this shit is, is fresh for everybody, and that's your edge is that that this is all new to everybody the same way it's new to you. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if you're willing to cut your teeth and skin your knuckles, man, like, you know, the, there's fortune to be made.
1: I think the most encouraging thing too is I don't think I've met a trader or anybody really who's like quote unquote made it that didn't say like, oh yeah, I, I lost it all at one point. Like pretty much everyone I've I've, I've run into who's like successful is like, I pretty much was down to close to zero at one point. and yeah. And they had to make it all back. And it's like the Bro. difference is, most people just are like down to zero and they give up. And then those people stuck to it.
0: Bro, it's ETH, extremely rare. ETH at $80. $80, I was on unemployment.
1: Dude, dude, ETH at $80, I was like, oh, it's over. It's dead. Yeah. I guess he, I was wrong. I was like, I am wrong. Like, I bought ETH at $300 bucks in 2017. And then ETH was 80 in 2020. I'm like, oh, all right, it's over. Oh, I was wrong, man.
0: Real quick, I want to quote a friend of mine because he said this excellent thing to me when I was introducing him to crypto, and I'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just about like the, yeah, earlier I said, like, it, you know, there's there's fortune to be had here if you just stick around and play the game long enough. Um, he, he came from, you know, a similar background to me in that he, he played a lot of games growing up. And when he finally was getting into crypto, he said, Bro, this is like an MMORPG, the biggest one in the world where the rewards are real. Yeah. And it's just this massive treasure hunt. And I, and I like, I really hold on to that perspective because I think it's so good. And it was something that, like, I couldn't see because I was too close to the flame. But when he articulated it in that fashion, it really hit home for me where it's like, yeah, bro, this is the biggest treasure hunt you can play right now. And it's all online and all the resources are there for everybody equally. Right. And the only asymmetry that there is is in deal flow. It's not an in information. And that is like. That, to me, is why this space is is where if you're young and you're hungry, you should be putting all of your time.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the moral is even if you got wrecked this week or this year or whatever, keep pushing because, like, honestly, just even from a pure, like, what else are you going to do? Are you going to go work in, like, tech or something? Like, yeah, okay, I guess you could do that. But, like, I don't know. This is where the opportunity is, man. This space isn't yeah. going anywhere. It's only going to get bigger. And, uh, you know, you'll reg- I think you'll regret it if you leave. It is really You know assembly. what they say about
0: pioneers, right, David?
1: Uh, a few of them got to die along the way.
0: <laughs> they say pioneers take arrows, dog. Yeah, yeah. You're going to fucking take arrows. Fucking take arrows. Yeah. That's the game.
1: All right. Well, this was great. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we'll leave links yeah, in the description. Go follow Hash, smart guy. Um, thanks to Upstream Alpha for sponsoring the show. We'll have Hash on again another time. And uh yeah, keep your head up, folks. It'll it'll get better. In 2018, we thought it was all over too. And look where we are now. We think it's all over again. And then in four years from not we'll think it's over again, too. You know, it's just a cycle, it's just a cycle. It'll be
0: 2026. We're like, oh my god, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> see you guys.